Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today I've got a lovely guest with me. Her name is Kelly Brandley. Welcome, Kelly. Hi, Lynn. Nice to talk to you. Now, what is your specific job title that you like to have related to what you do? I call myself a dating and relationship coach as well as an executive matchmaker. Excellent. So very, very relevant to all the subjects that we cover here on the uh, love, dating and relationship subjects. Sounds great. Definitely one of my favorite areas to talk about. Excellent. Well, this is the first time I've actually met Kelly, so I'm very excited to discover and unravel all her secrets and bits of wisdom for the audience to gain their great insights from. So, Kelly, your specific hot topic at the moment, I believe, is dating after divorce. Definitely. Yeah, it's uh, something I like to talk about, uh, an area of expertise uh, from studies as well as my own personal experience. I hope to share some really good insights and uh, key points for your listeners today. Brilliant. Well, perhaps a good starting point would be then to actually talk about your personal experience around dating after divorce, because I think a lot of listeners will be able to relate to that and uh, learn something from your own journey. Yeah, definitely. So I was married for 10 years and my marriage ended uh, almost seven years ago now. So I, after going through the recovery phase after the separation, um, went into my first uh, sort of longer term relationship. I had a four year relationship actually after my marriage ended. And I went into that one after very little dating, so to speak, you know, fell in love quite quickly and it was quite passionate. But uh, over the years, realized that I hadn't really gone through the selection and vetting process, um, perhaps in the way I wished I'd had, and that relationship ended up ending. And after that relationship ended, I went into a very focused period of about two years looking for the right partner, where I went on 92 first dates. Crikey. Wow. I have a lot of experience to share in terms of the dating process, especially uh, first dates and uh, the beginning phase of what became several uh, mini relationships before finding a long-term relationship again. So out of those first dates, um, would you have a, a rough idea of how many progressed onto second or third dates? Uh, probably in terms of second and third dates, I maybe saw, let's say, a dozen of the men Multiple times, I had five of them turned into, as I said, mini relationships. So I dated them for longer periods of time, went five, six, eight dates um, before I decided that it wasn't going to be or, or the man decided it wasn't going to be the right one. Excellent. So 
Would you actually recommend that that's a good strategy to sort of date quite a lot of different men one after the other and sort of have a, you know, a select few that you might have a, a second or a third date on the back of that? Or, or what, what, what would be your advice around what leads to you actually being better prepared to select the right partner? Yeah, definitely. I would put a caveat first by saying I wouldn't recommend um, to any of my clients that they go on that many first dates. Um, part of that was for me transitioning into, into the dating and relationship space. I was meeting a lot of different people and uh, learning a lot about, you know, what, what goes on in the, the dating market and with singles. So there was a personal element to it, but there was also this like really high level of interest I had that continued to um, motivate me to go on, you know, multiple dates. What I did learn out of the process, though, is exactly what I've now realized is the selection process is how to very quickly start to to learn about another person and to start vetting them in terms of their core values, which I believe is the foundation of a successful long-term relationship, is finding somebody that shares your core values. And so what I recommend um, to my clients when they start dating again is to be very clear on their core values and then to date somebody multiple times um, to find out, you know, is there an alignment of core values? One of the things that I see a lot with the people that I work with who are starting to date again after divorce is you can get very caught up very quickly in the whole passion and the the chemistry or the spark of, of meeting somebody new who seems very interesting. Perhaps they've got a lot of personal characteristics that are different from your ex. And that can be quite intriguing. You can get, you know, really caught up in the whole lust. Um, yes. Romantic <laughs> love phase. And you forget that actually the dating process is about going through the selection and the vetting process. Absolutely. So when you talk about core values, I mean, some people might think, well, what, what are values? What are core values? And so, you know, just, just for the lay person that might not understand what you mean by that, can you give us an example or some examples of what you, you know, some of your clients might actually list as their core values? And so your core values are really your, your deeply held beliefs about how you see the world and what you expect. So if we think about something, I mean, marriage could be a core value that you still hold after divorce. And you, be, you might be very keen on finding another partner for marriage again. Or you may hold the belief that marriage is no longer a value you hold and you're looking for somebody who shares that belief that you can be in a committed relationship without marriage. And it's really about understanding these different beliefs that you hold. And then when you're meeting somebody new, trying to figure out, does this person share these similar beliefs with me? Do they want, if you have children, do they want to have a patchwork family? It can be uh, things related to finances and money. How do they see us? Do they want to be in a partnership where we keep everything separate and we have separate bank accounts and we you know, transfer money back and forth? Or do they value combining assets again and really investing in the future together? Excellent. There are some great examples there of um, things for people to absolutely consider as to what's important to them. Definitely. So do you have um, any case studies you can share with us around 
the experiences some of your clients have had with dating after divorce and, and the way you um, advise them around this subject? First, I'd like to say there's sort of two different um, types of clients that I work with. There's the client who's divorced but never had children. And then there's the client um, who will have had um, children and a family. And those types of uh, relationships tend to be more complex because they've got things like ex-spouses will still be involved in their life, co-parenting, visitation, all those kinds of things. So um, maybe as an example, because it tends to be sort of the more typical type of client that I work with, is to give an example there yes. of some of the things that they yeah, um, generally go through. So clients will typically come to me in the very beginning. Um, it might be several years after their divorce, they haven't been dating, and they start to realize as the children are getting older, um, they're thinking, you know, what does my future look like? I'd like to get back out there. I'd like to meet somebody but they have no idea where to start. So the first thing that we generally will work on is, okay, how do you start meeting people again? And uh, usually online dating is a topic, uh, especially for people around middle age where they say, you know, I've never done that before. I don't know if I want to do that. And uh, so some of the work is just getting comfortable with different tools for meeting people, including online dating, which I think is a fantastic way to meet people when you're a single parent with limited time and you don't want to be spending, you know, your free time in, in bars or other places. So getting to really understand um, how to navigate the online dating platforms and how to vet potential partners even before you've had a first date is a very important aspect of, of getting back out there and dating. Then, you know, once you've met somebody um, going through the, the first dates and stuff is the question always comes up, when do you introduce the children? I think if you look online, people will have all kinds of different opinions about this. And uh, some will say, oh, you should wait at least a year. Other people will say, introduce them right away. What I've seen from experience with clients and my own personal experience is I tend to say, um, First, go through the initial vetting process of understanding if a potential partner meets your core values and you could imagine this person being a longer-term partner for you. In terms of timeline, this might be perhaps, say, six, eight, ten dates, something like that, before you can really say, yes, we share similar values. And then I usually recommend that they introduce the children um, but in a very non-threatening, non-sort um, of relational way, it may be that the potential um, partner will come by and pick you up for the date, you know, and they might meet the child for a few minutes, um, that they get to see each other face to face, and then you leave and go off on the date. And in the beginning phase of dating, I, I recommend that you don't start with this sort of patchwork family feeling where you're having dates where the children are involved. I think that's way too early to be doing that. Yes. Um, I think it's, especially when you have sort of older children, you know, if they're eight, 10, 12, they want to know if you're meeting somebody, they want to know what's happening, but they don't necessarily want to be in, directly involved unless they, they know that this is going to be something that continues. And so we will talk about, yeah, when is the right time to introduce the children? And I usually use um, the phases of a relationship as kind of a benchmark. 
So the way I see relationships is you'll meet somebody and you'll have this romantic phase with the honeymoon, right? Where everything is wonderful and you think you've met your soulmate. And then what will happen is sort of the reality of day to day will set in. And uh, dating after divorce with children, this tends to happen sooner rather than later because you have a lot of responsibilities. So people will say the honeymoon phase can last for up to two years. I tend to see the honeymoon phase will be closer to the, the six, nine months when you're dating with children around that phase. And then what tends to happen is you'll go through a crisis point with this person. You'll, you'll start to see the true parts, the, the things that you didn't see when you were in the honeymoon phase, um, the points that you don't like, the characteristics. And what will tend to happen is you'll have sort of a relationship crisis where you'll get to this point and you'll start to say, is this really the person I thought I was dating? And then it can go either one of two ways. Either you decide, yes, I'm, I can accept this person for all that they are, um, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, or you decide, no, I can't. And the relationship then dissolves and you separate. And I, I say to clients, once they've got to this point where they say, actually, I accept this person for who they are and I'm ready to work through this phase with them and to learn the skills we need to build a solid, secure relationship, the conflict management, et cetera. Once you've both decided that that point is what you both want and you're working through it and you're, you're seeing that you're able to solve problems together, that's a good point that I say then to start involving the children into spending more time together. Yeah, that's excellent advice there. So when you, let's, if we rewind back to, you know, the very early first stages of this process, you said um, before you even start dating, what does that look like? You know, what, what's the advice around vetting before you even start? Yeah, so if you, you're, you're dating online or even if you've met somebody, perhaps um, it could be at the gas station or the supermarket. I mean, you can meet somebody anywhere is to have clear for you what are your, and I usually say you can have five must-haves and two deal breakers. I think that's, you know, seven things to keep in your mind is probably the maximum that you want to keep. But to say, okay, what are the things that I really must have in a potential mate? And to start asking those questions. And um, it can be coming back to, you know, I want, if I have my own children, I want to um, be with a partner who perhaps also has children. So somehow you're going to want to ask those questions and you can either do that over the telephone or, you know, if you're meeting online, you might see in their profile, they have children or you can ask a question and just sort of say, okay, for that one, I know before I meet this person that um, they're meeting one of these key criteria for me. And then deal breakers. I think that's an easy one, um, you know, to also weed out people before you meet them and, Classic one that I, I hear a lot is um, in relation to smoking. Somebody either is a smoker and wants to date somebody who either is accepting of smoking or is a smoker, or they don't want to date a smoker. And, you know, I'll hear people go on dates and they, they'll come back and say, oh, you know, this person's fantastic, but they smoke. And now I'm in a, a sort of a dilemma. What do I do? And I say, if that's your deal breaker, clarify that up front and don't go on dates with people, then who are meeting a deal breaker for you because you know that eventually you're going to have to make a decision and you've already decided that that's not something you're willing to accept in a partner. 
Yeah, there is something around that, Kelly, that uh, I like to challenge people on because for me, my experience when I met my spouse 10 years ago, uh, and I've spoke about this before on previous episodes, um, you know, one of my deal breakers or so I thought would be that I wouldn't want to, because I was very health conscious, uh, you know, go out with a smoker or a drinker. And, and as it turned out, my my spouse wasn't a smoker, but he was a drinker and, you know, a very heavy binge drinker at that. But what actually happened was um, I made it clear, you know, in our conversation that, you know, I didn't want to have a, a, or couldn't see a long-term relationship with a man who was a drinker. I didn't make it about him. I didn't say he had to quit. You know, I made it all about me uh, and, you know, what I wanted and expressed my wants and needs. And he made that decision for himself to quit and he's been dry for the last 10 years we've been together. Wow, that's fantastic. I mean, I think actually what you're saying is is exactly the same. You gave him the opportunity when you first met him, but it was still a very clear point for you that that was a deal breaker. And I yeah. think had you not had that response from him, then you would have had to make a decision. Um, yeah, I think what, were, what I'm saying is I didn't take, sort of exclude him straight away, you know, and I didn't even, we, he didn't even sort of make that commitment straight away either to quit the drinking. We just, mm-hmm. you know, we could see there was a massive spark between us, you know, like that, like you said, that, that, that honeymoon phase where we, you know, everything was going really well. And I just consistently said, you know, I really want, you know, because it's very important for me to live a long, healthy life. And I want to, that to be shared with a man who, who also wants that. But I didn't make it about him. I made it all about my wants. And by, you know, repeatedly conveying that and him seeing that, you know, this is very important to me, he made that decision. But it it wasn't straight away, but it was literally within the first few weeks of our relationship. And had I sort of pre-excluded him prior to us actually meeting, um, you know, we wouldn't have had the lovely lasting relationship we've had. So I'm just saying that even sometimes you're deal breakers, you might want to show some flexibility around and just learn how to communicate your wants in a way that he'll either take action around that or not. And then you can decide, you know, if there isn't any action around that, uh, whether you want to continue in that relationship or not. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, you've had a great experience and uh, absolutely. I think um, you know, I take your point definitely to heart and say yeah that there is a uh, certainly the potential there even when you say it is a deal breaker that uh, it could turn out differently so yeah definitely for listeners I think that is great advice yeah uh, I just feel that enter any sort of potential relationship with an open mind even when it comes to your deal breakers and as long as you're clear and in, in the way you communicate it and don't make it sound like it's a criticism of what he's doing and make it about you there are ways to communicate your wants uh, and men being the lovely creatures that they are just want to make us happy. And if they're really into you, they will make that decision for themselves. Yeah, but you're right. The point is uh, that they need to make that decision. And I think a lot of people could potentially go into relationships with the hope that they will make that decision. And I've seen a lot of clients invest a lot of time um, months and potentially years in relationships holding on to the hope that something will change. And so maybe there's a point there about saying, okay, how do you know that the person you're meeting who's making a commitment like that to you is serious about their commitment versus they're just saying that at this point and it will change further down the line? 
I feel it's the way you communicate that. If I'd have gone in there, you know, in that conversation and said, uh, I really want you to quit the drinking, you know, I made it, I made it a you, you, you conversation, you know, pointing that finger of criticism. He'd hear that as criticism and resist, you know, as men do, you know, wanting to change. But the way you present any sort of situation that's a potential deal breaker is, is to make it about yourself. You know, this is what I want. So he can make that decision for himself as to whether he's going to fulfill <laughs> that need that you, you're expressing or not, you know, that desire that you're expressing or not. And, uh, and I feel if, if you go into this situation hoping you've probably been quite and have not changed, it's probably been the way you've communicated. Mm. No, super advice. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. There are ways and words that you can use to communicate your wants without it sounding to his ears like a criticism or a complaint. And um, that's a great education right there. <laughs> I think uh, exactly for a lot of people coming out of, um, out of divorce and long-term relationships, criticism can tend to be something that has plagued a past relationship. And that is something, you know, when they, when you start dating again, is being aware of how you're communicating your needs to somebody else. And uh, like you said, when you come across in a way that that's perceived as a criticism, that can be also damaging to, to a budding relationship, whether in relationship to a deal breaker or not. And those are important skills to, to definitely develop when you start dating again. Definitely. I talk about it being around the three C's as regards um, the way women communicate to men. You know, men receive it as being controlling if you are perceived as criticizing, complaining or comparing. And they're the three C's that I use and they're receiving it as a criticism, complaint or comparison. You know, they'll they'll feel and energetically pick it up as a controlling behavior from a woman and they'll find that very unattractive and they'll resist that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And um, in the early dating stages, it can be things I get uh, feedback from men quite often about things, you know, if they um, are late for a date or something and they maybe text instead of calling or whatever the the situation may be that they felt very criticized um, by a woman who they haven't even met yet. Mm. And I think that's definitely um, not the right kind of foundation um, to meet somebody new. So even if something may not be to your liking initially, I think it's about resisting the temptation to put it out there and to communicate it in a very open way and to show your standards and, and what you value, but without making it about the other person. Yeah. And it's just thinking before you open your mouth, really, you know, am I using the you word? <laughs> In other words, you you need to do this or you should be doing this. It's not going to be received well. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Make it more about what you want and, and use the I word. It, it would mm -hmm. was is the way I explain it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. It's a, it's a foundation foundational skill that uh, I think everybody needs to have and to reflect on when they're starting this process about how they're showing up and um, how they're managing both what they need out of a relationship, but also um, what the other person needs. And as I said, dating after divorce is quite complex because there's so many factors that influence the process that you might not have had to deal with when you were 
younger and single or you didn't have children or whatever that may be. And a lot of people getting back into the dating scene tend to forget that it, it is different. They're different people. Their lives are different than, you know, maybe they got married in their late twenties um, mm. and they had a different, a different life phase then. And so it's important to be conscious of where you're at currently in your life. Definitely. Um, because um, there's different roles and responsibilities you take on once you become a parent, for example, to what you had when you were single. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You've got now the mom hat or the dad hat on and <laughs> rather than, you know, being able to drop everything and, and do what you want when you want more, you know, more when you were single without that responsibility of having to consider the needs of any children involved. Mm-hmm. That's another point that tends to be a question of people how to navigate is, the prioritization between um, a romantic relationship, a new partnership and your children. And especially if you've been single for a number of years and you've put your children as your number one priority and all your time was dedicated to them. And then you start to date and a lot of people are insecure about, okay, how do I now carve out time to date? What's the prioritization? Where do I put my partner? Um, you know, in the sort of hierarchy of priorities in my life. And they're, they're struggling to, to figure out, yeah, what's the, the right um, way to do that. And you'll see a lot of people who will enter the dating scene and, you know, even on their online dating profiles, they'll write things like my children um, are and will always be the number one priority in my life. And uh, definitely as a, a parent, I'm a parent myself, I know, the feeling of wanting to put your children absolutely at the top. And it's coming from a very loving and caring place. But we also have to look at, okay, how does that then come across to a new partner um, when you're trying to build something together and they're constantly feeling, okay, I will always be a lower priority in your life, whatever that is. Um, You know, it could be children, then comes career, whatever. And one of the things to do, Um, when you start dating is to start looking at your priorities and to make the decision for yourself, okay, what is at the top of my priority list and how do I manage my own needs to create a relationship with the needs of my children and their life and commitments that we have as a family, Mm. as well as carving out the time to develop a connection with somebody new and having private time for that. So how would you recommend people, you know, if your children are obviously definitely and have been a very high priority for you in your life before you start dating again after divorce, how would you suggest they they uh, write about that in a profile? Well, I, I like to advise them not to put the children will always be my number one priority. I recommend um, showing out there that you do have children. I think that's um, important. Yes. Um, that you you don't hide that and you disclose that um, up front. But I think that puts already a potential partner already sort of on the defensive. So one of the things that I do when I work with clients is really to spend time going through their priorities so that they are very clear at what level a relationship is for them currently at this point in their life and what type of relationship they're looking for at this point. Um, You know, are they looking to find another life partner? Are they looking to casually date? Are they looking for someone 
to have fun with every second weekend when they don't have the children. And these are all very valid um, goals for a relationship, depending on where they're at. But they need to be clear um, when they're going out there and looking for that. And if they are looking for, say, another long-term partner, a life partner, how do they then create time in their personal life, in their family life, to create a priority for that space? And it could be things about looking at solutions. Maybe it's getting a weekly babysitter so that, you know, Tuesday night can be a date night for you. Um, it could be about making arrangements with other parents so the children can be brought to their sporting activity on a weekend. Um, you know, there's all kinds of kind of brainstorming that we'll do for each individual situation to find it, okay, if it's at the top of my priority list, how do I carve out that time and how do I make sure that I can respect that time to be able to give to a potential partner? Excellent. Uh, that's all Fantastic advice, Kelly. And on that note, what I'd really love to do is is have you share, you know, one or two contact informations for our listeners to be able to get in touch with you. Yeah, definitely. I think the easiest way to get in touch with me is uh, via my website. So it's kellybrandley.com. And my name is uh, spelt B-R-A-N-D-L-I. Yeah, let me just reiterate that again. Kelly with a Y. But then the surname is B-R-A-N-D-L-I. That's correct. (laughs) They can uh, find all my other contact details there or directly through the website, get in touch. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for sharing your wise words of wisdom around dating after divorce. I'm sure there's some great, great insights that uh, our listeners have picked up from our conversation. And as always, I'll make sure that Kelly's um, bio and other contact information is in our show notes for our listeners to contact her directly through other means and avenues. And it just leaves me to say, Kelly, thank you again so much. I'm so grateful to have had you on the show. Thanks so much, Lynn. It's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I hope that your listeners uh, as well could get some insights there to help them with their, their new start in dating after divorce. (laughs) excellent well thank you so much for that and uh, to our listeners for your generosity in in, uh, giving up your time to to listen to our episodes Uh, value that and and thank you for that so much and so so it's left for me to end as I always do with uh, true love starts with opening our hearts until next time goodbye for now thanks for listening to the hearts entwined podcast You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.